just continuing from what we did last night on page 51, and we were in the middle of dealing with what, how to distinguish between two types of fear. The type of fear that one is actually supposed to have in terms of being careful and fulfilling the, the positive commandment of to safeguard carefully your life. So that type of fear is certainly a mitzvah. And a type of fear, it's actually fear that is not necessary and is fear that is beyond what it should be and an irrational fear which will then start falling into the category of a lack of faith in God. So how do we distinguish? So what we said is, the type of behavior that everybody perceives to be a risk that we are able to accept upon ourselves and people engage in that behavior, for example, going in a car. Most people go in a car, even though there's some level of behavior. So for someone to think to themselves, I am obligated to be concerned that I shouldn't go in a car because it's dangerous to my life, that is not exhibiting enough uh, fear, not, not enough fear, I'm sorry, not exhibiting enough of a belief in God that God really runs the world. But for someone to say right now, not right now, but let's say a month ago, I'm going to go walk around New York and go hang out with people and shake people's hands and go to a, you know, a coronavirus party, that obviously would be very silly and would fall into the category of not having the proper level of fear of, of what could happen. Okay. The sages of blessed memory aptly explain this idea to demonstrate just how effective baseless fear can be in deterring one from doing a good deed. They said in Devarim Rabbah, King Solomon said seven things about an indolent person as follows. People would say to the indolent person, your teacher is in town, go and learn Torah from him. And he would respond to them, I'm afraid of the lion on the road. If they said to him, your teacher is in the community, he would say, I'm afraid there might be a lion in the streets, right? So first step is to say, I don't want to travel distances because when you travel distances, anytime you go through uninhabited wildernesses, there's always inherent danger. Okay, that's not so unreasonable. Right? But in truth, it's not necessarily coming from a place of fear, of a reasonable fear. Rather, what it's coming from is he's being lazy and he's using this to justify why he's not traveling to meet his teacher. Then when they say to him, the teacher is in the community, he's right here. He's in, literally in this community. He says, there might still be a lion in the actual streets, which is already starting to be, that's not such a reasonable fear that there's a lion in the streets. When they would say to him, he's within your house, right? What are you left with? You can't say there's going to be a lion in between one room and the next. He would say to them, if I go to him, I will find the door locked. They would say to him, it's open. And when he no longer knew what to answer, he would say to them, it doesn't matter whether the door is locked or unlocked. I would like to sleep a little more. And so first he says all these answers. And it could be that he even justifies them to himself. It could be he actually believes that that's why he's not going. But when push comes to shove and you take away all of his justifications, the real truth comes out. He doesn't want to do it because he's lazy. He's not interested. From here we see that it is not fear that leads one to indolence. Rather, it is indolence that causes one to fear. And now obviously this is a generalization and it's a blanket statement, but at least the theory is that in many cases, it's not really fear, it's rather it's indolence that is leading to fear and not the fear that's leading to indolence. In regard to all of these matters, daily experience and common knowledge will attest to the fact that this is their way, their folly remains with them. One who reflects upon this will discover its penetrating truth and it will be readily acknowledged by the intelligent mind. This topic of alacrity has already been explained in a manner that I consider sufficient to arouse the heart. The wise person, however, will grow wiser, further adding to his wisdom. You will now realize why alacrity is placed a step above vigilance. As a general rule, a person cannot attain alacrity unless he first attains vigilance. A person who is not meticulously careful in what he does and does not delve into the divine service and its guidelines, which constitute the virtue of vigilance, 
as I have written, will find it difficult to display love and yearning for that service and to rush with fervor before his creator. And so to expand upon this a little bit. So vigilance means the, the attribute of being very, very careful to quickly respond and remove yourself from the possibility of doing a sin. Now, the, the Ramban famously calls us, Nachmanides tells us, that the, the negative commandments, in other words, the prohibitions that the Torah tells us, you're not permitted to engage in this behavior, not permitted to engage in that behavior. The idea of those negative commandments are supposed to be helping us build our Yirat Hashem, our fear of God, right? Whereas the positive commandments are supposed to be coming from a place of and to help us build a deeper Ahavat Hashem, a deeper love for Hashem. Now, in the pantheon of, of, um, of relationships, right, the relationship between an unseen and an abstract force, right, the creator of the world, it's a lot easier to achieve a fear than it is to achieve love. So the first step that we're going to work on is going to be working on vigilance. In vigilance, in, in uh, avoiding and averting ourselves from any behavior that's going to bring us to sin. The next step after that is going to be alacrity, which is a, a similar idea, but it's more related to the positive commandments that are supposed to bring us to a love of Hashem. So if until you actually achieve a high level of Yirat Hashem, it's difficult to really achieve a love of Hashem. For such an individual is still drowning in physical desires, and he maintains the pursuit of his habits, which only serves to distance him further from all of this. However, once he becomes aware of his deeds and is vigilant about them, and assesses the mitzvot and the transgressions that he does, as we have mentioned, it will be easier for him to turn away from evil and to desire good. And he will do it with alacrity. This is self-evident. 